the Born to Be Mild podcast. Hey everybody, what is going on? It is Ron Cabuno here, and welcome to a holiday slash actually Christmas edition of Born to Be Mild. Thanks for stopping in, and I hope you guys are doing it up however you do it well, and whether you're checking this out on Christmas, when this thing is going to drop probably, or if you're checking it out maybe a day or two or three or four later, I hope that the season finds you well. I know that we are about to have a crazy snowstorm here right on Christmas Eve, which is absolutely fantastic, and um, I hope it goes away the day after, and it probably will not, but whatever them's the breaks. At least we will make the most of it right now for the holiday season. Um, I almost didn't get to make this show because turns out, you know, the wife went back to work. Brittany went back to work and uh, that means Vivian went back to daycare. And that also means that Vivian immediately came home with viruses from the other children. And uh, that laid up mommy and daddy and Vivian for quite some time. So I was like really fretting and I'm getting it in under the wire. It's going to be a short show. We're just going to talk about some of the most pressing issues that are, you know, about to tear the country apart. But we're not going to do all that kind of gloom and doom stuff because it has been a little celebratory since Trump has left office, but or since he's been voted out of office, because we don't know if he's actually going to leave office still. To this day, uh, we just heard earlier this week that he was talking about military coups in a meeting and it was overheard and leaked. And uh, someone to his defense said, listen, these are just backdoor meetings like you don't know what the context was. And the point is, is that the context is that the president of the United States is even mulling these crazy things over. But it shouldn't surprise anyone because. He has pulled out all the stops in the last month since the loss, and um, I guess we can get into that in a little bit, but yeah, so um, wanted to make sure that we came and talked about all that kind of stuff and touch base before the end of the year, because it, what a year it has been. It has been a fantastic one to put out a podcast, and it is a great one to have had all of you along for. Um Man, it's been so much fun, and I've learned so much. So again, I know I've said this before. Thanks for tuning in. It's been freaking great. Uh, now let's see. We're not gonna. We're not sure how long this episode's gonna go, but we sure we certainly have quite a bit to cover. Uh, but first, have you guys ever tried one of these Echelon or Peloton bikes? Because I just got one, and it's freaking cool. Now it took me a couple tries because I bought it from Walmart. You see. Uh, the Peloton is like still like two grand and that isn't that much for some people, but right now it's a bunch for me and at Walmart, the Echelon, which is the total knockoff of Peloton is selling a bike that is of equal quality ride wise, but has no screen, but still has a Bluetooth connectivity and it was only $500. So I went with that one, but since I didn't buy their protection plan in time, they had me return the entire bike and then buy a new one, have it shipped, just so I can add the proper protection plan. It was like four years, and I figure I'm going to beat this thing to shit, which I have been. It's amazing. 
Like, the classes aren't the greatest, but they get you going. It's like, even if you went to a regular spinning class, you're not going to get the greatest instructor all the time. Same with these. And this was like a free package. I didn't even get to ch get a chance to do the live ones yet, but I can't wait. Because, you know, you're chasing that leaderboard all the time and your stats are up there. And when you do the pre pre-recorded classes, you're basically just going up against a bunch of ghost Marios or whatever. And... I would like to be going up against real people and hopefully connect with uh, Luke, who's been on this show. He's a he's a big indoor bike dude. He brought his across the country when he moved. Um, so that's been pretty fun. Let you know how it goes. Uh, the Indians uh, officially said that they are going to be changing their name, which is really cool. Follows in the wake of a couple other teams changing their names or thinking about it, and they're doing it kind of on their own, but kind of after 60, 50 years of societal pressure. We have yet to find out what that name is going to be. Hopefully it is not going to be the Spiders as it once was, actually, before the Indians. I think it might have been the Naps from Napla Joy uh, as well before that. But um, we're going to find out, and uh, we can all get behind it because it was kind of the right thing to do. A lot of people didn't really care about the name Indian, but if you look at Chief Wahoo, that dude had to go. So uh, it would have been interesting if they could have maybe made it some kind of consensus agreement with the Washington football team where you use their like proud logo, which it was. It was like a striking profile. Homeboy looked like he didn't take no shit. And... Um, no, nobody could fuck with that, right? Like, nobody was saying that was a disgrace. And then, uh, conversely, like, the name Indians, eh, a lot of people really don't mind that. A lot of Indians don't mind that. A lot of Native Americans, whatever, don't care. So, maybe they both could have had the name Indians and the chiseled cheek chief dude as the logo and that would have been that then they both could have shared the name and the logo and then they both kind of live with their shame but it would have been a compromise um in the realm of the college football we saw i mean it's funny because like we haven't talked in only like four weeks but there was time for apparently an entire college football season but not really but if you're ohio state really because they didn't get to play any of them, and, well, they played half of them, and they still let them into the playoff, which I think was fantastic because that's my team, but if I was someone else, I would probably be a little salty. However, I don't think if I was some of these two and three loss SEC teams, I would have any leg to stand on, but they always seem to think that they do. Um, you know, now Notre Dame and Ohio State have both fallen on their asses in the national spotlight in these type of playoff scenarios before. So they will have something to prove against the powerhouses that are perennially there. And who knows who's going to even watch these games. They are situationally placed at a time when, yeah, we're probably going to tune in, but I don't know if it'll be the largest viewership because the season was so swift and so truncated at the same time. Um, but Maybe people are fatigued by seeing the same people in there. A lot of people were clamoring for the Cincinnati Bearcats to maybe take one of those spots, maybe take over the Notre Dame spot. 
Listen, all I have to say is that at least out of Notre Dame and Ohio State, Ohio State has shown up at times, and I think it's very possible that they do. Now, uh, Northwestern kind of maybe took the bloom off the rose in their game, but I think Northwestern is a decent squad, and I would like to see how they fare in the postseason. So um, we'll see what's up. And we will also see a Rose Bowl, first time ever, obviously, not in California. Very odd. Um, maybe we'll have one of those weird parades again like they did for Thanksgiving where they just, ugh, that was gross. I don't know. I mean, you got to get it done, but it's real creepy to have a parade with no people. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess... God, we have to talk about the Browns. How fucking awesome are the Browns? Ah, it's been so nice. It's been so nice to watch. Um, these guys have really played their hearts out on one side of the ball. Uh, on the other side, they collect paychecks and allow touchdowns. But they're, they're wearing the same jersey, so I root for them all. Okay. Um... <sighs> It's, it's pretty crazy because as we stand here on 1224, um, we have the possibility. I, now we have the Jets this weekend, so that should be a slam bam. Thank you, Shazam. Uh, but there is the possibility that um, we might have to play Pittsburgh for the division title as well as the possibility to go to the playoffs in the final week. Um, that isn't going to be the toughest task, in my opinion, because those Steelers are cratering like what? And that has been almost as fun to watch. Mm, all right, not quite, but it still has been very entertaining. Um, they lost to the Bengals on Monday night. I did not watch that game because I didn't think there was any chance in hell that Mike Tomlin was going to lose three games in a row. And he did. And they did. And they went from 11-0, the fraudulent 11-0, to 11-3, the fraudulent 11-3. But, man, I was watching those Bengals clips two or three times on the shitter Tuesday morning. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I say they keep it up. A lot of people are saying they might not win another game the entire year. That would totally be cool. Uh, as long as we don't have to play Baltimore in the playoffs, I think we'll be all right. Okay, so the current state of affairs even more unbelievable than the Browns record right now. That's probably the best segue I have to what we're going to talk about. Uh, right now, we're sitting with Trump vetoing the bipartisan spending bill that Congress passed. Hilarious. Because all of a sudden, he wants $2,000 checks instead of $300 checks. And he waits until seven months have passed that they've been spinning their wheels on this thing and they get the number out and then he decides that he's got qualms with it. Unbelievable. So once again, just throwing sand in the gears, 
Um, he's probably going to have a veto-proof majority overrule that. And that'll be nice because that'll actually be something where the members of Congress have to stand up to their constituents and against the president. And that does not happen very often. Unfortunately, what we are seeing is that when it goes back down to the lower houses because of the veto, now you got people playing games with it. And it went from being a done deal to what the hell are you guys doing within the course of 24 hours. And that's thanks to the magic of Donald Trump. So on his way out, even though he somehow thinks he's not leaving, he still wants to fuck with government and fuck with the American people as much as possible just because he can. And that's a really shitty and dangerous thing. And he's been doing it in record fashion since we found out that his ass lost by 7 million votes or 8 million votes or something, some fantastic number. Real bigly, bigly number. The problem is that he's getting too much help. He's getting way too much full-throated support from really important people. So, yeah, you know, maybe the bean counters at the Pennsylvania legislature aren't going to risk their job or risk decertifying something illegally and going to jail or who knows what the hell because they just wanted to get a regular job within the government and aren't quite as partisan as they probably should be for Trump's liking. But eventually, what is going to stop like the hordes of QAnon people from targeting these type of offices where elections hang in the balance that we had hardly even known and do it in the same targeted fashion that you saw the Koch brothers target soft money to state houses within the past two decades. Like, it's a nightmare scenario, but it's something that definitely needs to be considered just because of how dangerous and how craven and how fanatical these people are and have shown themselves to be. I mean, Mike Flynn is out there calling for a military-led revote nationally. Like, you better vote at the end of this point of this gun, and we're going to watch you. And uh, I think the election probably would turn out quite differently if it went down like that. The problem is, we just had what was called the most free and fair election in this country's history, and it's not sitting right with a certain dude and he's fucking with shit hardcore and we've had uh, at one point I I think a couple weeks ago 88% of Republicans not admitting that Joe Biden won the fucking election you had Mitch McConnell go along with Trump as long as possible all the way until the Electoral College certified the vote um that he wanted to make sure that Trump was able to exhaust all his options, placating this fucking baby. And that seems to have worked because he now doesn't have to admit anything and he can say that this election has been stolen from him and all of his supporters get a chance to say that as well. Now, there is one final hurdle that we have been talking about before um, where... They get to let their qualms be known, 
and that is in January when they have to choose whether or not to challenge the Electoral College results. And you have one person that is required from both houses of Congress to do it, and then it would have to bring it to a vote. Uh, needless to say, that will be really odd because you would be putting into question what has literally been called the safest election in the country's history, and you will be doing that openly and for the record books, and you would have to be one of the absolute most craven, um, sycophantic followers of the president to do so. So I would hope that in the Senate, at the worst, you would find it to be like 90 to 10. That would be at the absolute worst because hopefully it isn't going to snowball from one idiot standing up and saying so just because to make it known that there it, you had to put the vote in the books. But it very well could. I don't know. Democratic uh, Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut had a quote that was on the money. Uh, he said, I have a very clear sense of the danger this all poses to the republic. If this becomes at all normalized, more broadly than it already is, they will steal an election two years from now, or four years from now. And then, I'm not sure how we keep our democracy together. So, what you're seeing are the warnings coming from people who are in the fight, in the water. They're seeing the sharks circling, and they're saying... Guys, they're getting really close to the bucket of chum. They're actually nipping at this thing because apparently there are bigger holes in the bucket than we realized. That we didn't understand how fragile everything was. Um, I think that it was it was on the bulwark, and it was Tom Nichols, who was fantastic to listen to. He's he is just not on there often enough. But he was on there, or no, sorry, he was on the Lincoln Project podcast, and he said that the attitude that Trump had towards peaceful European alliances that we have had forever, just as as an example of one of the many things, but one of the most important things that he has sullied in his tenure is kind of like when the spouse finally hits the other one in the relationship. It's this simmering tension. It's this hypothetical that you live with until the hypothetical becomes an actual. And the same thing goes with uh, the crazy side of America. A lot of people were really hoping that it would never take prominence in the way that it just has. But it has, and we have to deal with it accordingly. And I've wrestled with the fact of the apology tours that you heard Obama go on when he first took office and how much shit he took for it. And that was just because George W. Bush was a unilateral asshole and Dick Cheney was as well in a similar fashion for George W. Bush. But, um, I mean, what do you expect Biden is going to have to do? Don't you think he's going to have to write a couple I'm sorry notes and stick those in some mailboxes when he's over at the UN? Um, 
that's insane to think that we're not going to have to go on some kind of rebuilding tour because we've gone from absolutely being the world leader with faults to being the most unstable country with power the world has seen in quite some time. So there, there has to be a rudder to the ship before people take us seriously. That's going to be extremely difficult. And at the same time, you're going to see people on the right blaming Democrats for wanting essentially safety and security and coalitions to be reborn again. How crazy of a place we are in right now where that would be called into question. But guess what? It will get called into question because this country is off its rocker for so many reasons, but more and more each day. Um, a couple weeks ago, Rush Limbaugh is asking if we need to secede, have, you know, the Trumpites secede from the rest of the union. Because he said, what exactly do we have in common with those New York City folks? But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And there isn't going to be a Mason-Dixon line on every street corner. You can't just have civil war when the neighbors are within. So what you're going to have is a bunch of crazies that might take to the streets and might have to be quelled in some way and might coalesce in large numbers. And it's it's definitely a threat because they seem hell-bent on denying facts at all costs. Um, the conspiracy theories get larger and larger and actually, you know, they... They come back to religiosity quite often. Uh, you'll see people say that, you know, God said that they needed Donald Trump to be president. I mean, Pat Robertson actually just denounced Donald Trump, which was hilarious because he brought up all this shit that he has been doing for years and says, well, finally, it's just enough. It's like, well, no, it's enough because he lost. But you could have said, whoa, and when at any point along the way, but didn't. But, um, for instance, I hope you guys heard this story because it was crazy. It was out of Houston and a former Texas police captain was arrested for tailgating an AC repair man in his truck, chasing him, rear ending him, holding him up at gunpoint because he thought there was over 750,000 fraudulent ballots in his van. Turns out that there were just AC parts in his van because he didn't know what the fuck this guy was talking about. But that's what this gunman said to the police when he got pulled over and arrested. He said he was just doing his duty for his country. And where did he get his idea? Who the hell knows? It's probably online. But where was he paid? Well, we got to find that out. The Liberty Center for God and Country, a Houston-based organization Funded by Republican mega donors. It says here that the group's chief executive is Stephen Hotzi or Hotz, uh, a prominent 
Texas right-wing activists who joined other GOP activists in the ballot lawsuit filed late in October. So that is obviously the one where everyone wanted to be able to tell other states not only what to do, but what they had done wrong in the past and decertify the vote that had just happened based on those issues with how they voted in other states. Not going to happen. But again, just part of the hair dye running crazy that has been flooding the streets uh, low these many days. So we are in a precarious position. We are somewhere that is both optimistic, can be opportunistic, but is also scary. We have to be able to understand what Trumpism can and might morph into at the same time ignore the fuck out of them because now that they're out of power at least go on as if they're not a threat while they're not a threat prepare for them to be but govern as though they're not because they aren't so that's how it's got to be you have to be able to put forth some really no-nonsense bills in Congress. Um, If you're the Democrats, there's plenty of bipartisan stuff that can be put right to work, that shovel-ready stuff that nobody can say no to, and Biden is a centrist who loves to do that kind of stuff. Um, However, you know, we've got a vaccine rollout that's going to take place over the course of the two administrations, and... um, Obviously, it was hilarious because you found out that it leaked that they wanted to um, wipe Donnie's bum bum and someone pitched naming the vaccine after him, calling it the Trump vaccine. And that was the most hilarious shit because nobody would ever think of doing that. And not only that, he has not given two shits about how the coronavirus has been going or progressing since, well, since ever but definitely since he lost that election. It has been ridiculous how asleep at the wheel he has been in all aspects, except for pardoning actual criminals and seeing how he can circumvent the rules of the Constitution. I would have to say that COVID was a pretty good test of how we would do as an American people if we faced a common enemy. We obviously failed tremendously. I mean, like, what would happen if the next time... It was a pandemic, but it was based on extremely symptomatic spread. Like, all right, everybody has got boogers just running from their eyes. And you could see when somebody was going to get you. They were going to get you like a zombie. They were going to give you the virus. Are the anti-maskers just as right in their freedom-loving selves as, as they are now when they say, Oh, well, I don't have anything because they don't understand asymptomatic spread. But like if they were booger monsters where they'd be like, fuck you, I could sneeze all over you and your kids in the store because America like what do we do? I know that everyone has been fatigued as hell. I am, too. I listen. I think that Christmas is going to be the last main holiday that's going to be fucked up by this. I think by 4th of July, because I, you know, what else is there really? But like Easter up in there somewhere, like, all right, Uh, Valentine's Day, blah, blah, blah. 4th of July, I think people will be 
at least 50% more confident than they are right now. And that will be, that will feel wonderful. We're getting there, but not because of any actual safety. I mean, the vaccine is just getting rolled out and we're going to have all kind of anti-vax pushback, but there will be enough doses in existence and in circulation soon enough to where we can feel a lot better about getting back to normal. Can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. So on that note, on that optimistic note, let's just look forward to 2021 because nothing is certain but change and there are ups and there are downs. And if you're with the wide, wide swath of people who believe that 2020 was a down, well then, not that we have nowhere to go but up. But I'm pretty sure that's the way things are heading because, man, this has been a stinker. And we've still found a way to make the best of it in a lot of respects. So just think what we're going to do when life gives us ice cream instead of lemons. All right, guys. Thanks for indulging me, and it's been great talking with you. I hope you got everything you wanted for Christmas, and I hope you got to spend it with as many of your loved ones as possible. Um, to my family out there, I love you very much. Thanks for always tuning in and checking the show out. Um, and hopefully we'll see you guys soonish. Later.